In the name of the holy and undivided Trinity, amen. amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Are you ready? I rather doubt it. The Reverend David Roseberry uh, preached a sermon once where he talked about this state of readiness and talked about his own church, where he was inside the building and was the last to leave and was trying to lock the place up and needed to set the alarm. So if you have an alarm system in your house, you know what this is like. You go to the panel and it has a, a message that tells you if it's okay to go ahead and arm the system. And if not, if there's a window that's cracked a little or a door that's ajar, anything uh, amiss, it will tell you do not, in so many words, arm the system. Uh, because then the alarm will go off. And in his case, it said something that I think those of us who've dealt with alarm systems will recognize the language. Church, not ready. <laughs> it's really as simple as that. Advent is complicated, but it's reducible to some pretty simple things. Our Advent 101, if you will, what are the basics of Advent? It's about four things. Preparing, watching, hoping, and waiting. Preparing, watching, hoping, and waiting. Today's Gospel reading focuses on that aspect of preparation and points out that it's kind of hard to prepare if you don't know when your visitor is coming. Now what visitor is that? In this Gospel reading, Jesus is talking about two things at once. He's trying to make a point about the coming of the Kingdom that hasn't happened yet. But he's explaining it in stark terms that everyone will understand. Death. He's explaining what's patently clear to them, that two people will be out in a field working and one will be taken and the other will not. And that's appealing to our, our fears of things like, well, what happens if we're separated? What happens if we die? What if we don't die together? Becky and I, well, I have said many times, I hope that it comes like a surprise I hope that we're crossing the street in England and so we look to the left instead of the right and the bus just clips us at the same time. We never saw it coming. But Jesus knows that most people think that's a horrifying thought, the surprise of death. How capricious it is, how it could just happen. I guess the tough question would be, what exactly is it that we're preparing for? And what is it that we do to prepare? What constitutes preparation? Well, let me draw on a real life example. I know that Christmas is coming. I know that Christmas this year, like every year, is December 25th. And that it's going to be on a Wednesday. I know how many shopping days I have left. I know, basically, what I need to do, at least at the house, to get ready. And, in, and before Christmas Eve comes, we will prepare a service. We'll know what hymns we're going to sing. We'll know what prayers we're going to say. We will be prepared. Because we know when it's about to happen. But Jesus is talking about 
What about something really big that comes when you don't know when it's coming? Again, I'm giving you an example. So this Thanksgiving Day weekend, my children were in town. They came, they're both seniors in college, we have twins, they're seniors in college, and they came at a more or less appointed time. My daughter missed her flight, so that one didn't quite work out. But she came on the same night we expected her. And we, and we expected them at a certain time because Becky was able to book their plane tickets. So we knew exactly when that plane was going to land. And so there may have been little surprises, but we were ready. We were prepared. We, pre we prepared a place for them, literally. We got bedrooms ready. We put food in the cupboards that they liked. We prepared the things we were going to do because we knew when it was going to happen. Now, in a couple of weeks, my kids will be coming back again for Christmas, and we are not prepared. Why? Because they will not tell us when the hell they plan to get here. <laughs> and it's a little annoying. So we know it's going to happen, but it's hard to prepare. Now again, let's not make this too overly complicated. What is Advent about? And how do we do this preparing? Well, you may know that Advent is something of a penitent time, and Christians will disagree about the extent to which Advent is or ought to be a penitent time. In fact, a member of our choir quoted Richard uh, Leantonio on Facebook when he posted this, this notice, the appropriate greeting is not Merry Christmas, but penitent Advent, you miserable sinner. <laughs> and I would tell you who that was, but I don't want to embarrass Julius. <laughs> the fact is that, yes, this is a penitent season in the sense that we need to prepare and set things right but not in the sense that we are lamenting and falling all over ourselves about our miserable offenses. Instead, it's just simply about preparing, about emptying the places that need to be empty, filling the places that need to be filled. If you've seen the movie A Few Good Men, you know the telltale sign of failure to prepare. In that movie, Tom Cruise was playing Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, and he was interrogating Jack Nicholson's character, Colonel Nathan Jessup, about the death of Private First Class William Santiago, who apparently had been scheduled to leave the Marine camp at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, the morning following his murder. And so Cruise is grilling Nicholson, and he shouts at him, these are the letters Santiago wrote in nine months, begging for a transfer. But when he finally got it, how many people did he call? Nobody. Zero. Not one call to his parents or a friend saying he was coming. He was asleep at midnight, and you say he had a flight in six hours. Yet everything he owned 
was in his closet or in his footlocker. For one day, you packed and made three calls. Santiago was leaving for the rest of his life, and he hadn't called a soul, and he hadn't packed a thing. Can you explain that? Can we, as Christians, explain our failure to prepare? Are we prepared for the most important reunion we will ever experience? I'm not talking about Christmas morning, where we know the date. I'm talking about the coming of the kingdom of God. Does our life show it? What is in our footlocker? So the call during Advent, the call to preparation, is the realization that salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, and the day is near, the light is dawning. So let us, Paul writes, let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not as reveling and drunkenness, but in, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling or jealousy. Instead, he says, and listen to these words, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on where Jesus. And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Not because that makes you sinful, but because it isn't necessary. There's something far more intimate about to happen. There's a reunion that is based on far deeper intimacy. So Martin Smith writes about this type of intimacy that is at the heart of preparing in Advent. And he says, if you do not pray, then the warning light is on. Are you avoiding intimacy with God? If you are, there will probably be other signs too, as Paul said. Addictions are primary signs, especially addictions to overwork and overcommitment or to alcohol. Addictions tend to make us impotent to all forms of intimacy, intimacy with partners and children, as well as intimacy with God, and thus they serve to close off that whole area we want to avoid. Another sign is rationalizing that insists prayer is for the birds or doesn't work or is too time-consuming. There will be unspoken assumptions that church membership or all the work you do for the church will see you through. There will be a bias towards the pragmatic and a slight scorn for spirituality as marginal, mystical, fantastical. The biblical image for that state of denial, the deliberate shutting down of the spiritual life, the flight from intimacy and awareness is sleep, Smith says. It is the sleep of a bad hangover full of illusions and self-hatred. To break the denial and start enjoying a personal communion with God is like waking up to the joys and pains of awareness, alertness, and sobriety. Numbness wears off, dreams fade, and you are in daylight, for you know what time it is, and it is now 
the moment for you to wake from sleep. So this season of Advent, let's live lives that bear witness to the first coming of Christ. When he lived and died and rose again to make it possible for us to expect much, much more, even on our darkest days. And let's live as people who expect that he will come again to bring us home in glory. Amen.